What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Common Sense with Dr. Ben Carson. Well, welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Common Sense with Dr. Ben Carson. So glad to have you with us. You know, common sense doesn't seem to be that common anymore, uh, certainly not in Washington, D.C., but uh, we want to do everything we can to make sure that we bring it back, help people to understand what a wonderful place we have, and if we didn't create a whole lot of problems for ourselves, it would be even better. And uh, common sense is one of the ways that we're able to do that. Uh, we have a fantastic guest with us today. Uh, I would characterize her life as faith, family, and farming. Uh, you may already have a, a good idea who I'm talking about. And uh, she had a lot in common with our founding fathers, uh, with the farming, with the faith, and with the family. By now you know I'm talking about Governor Christy Nam, a great friend and a tremendous governor, someone who has exhibited enormous courage and uh, has been exemplary in terms of limited government and uh, understanding that people have choices. She's leading by example. And uh, she is a young, dynamic, up-and-coming political force. Thank you, Christy, for joining us today. We're so delighted to have you. And uh, uh, not my first rodeo, Lessons from the Heartland. Uh, what, uh, what are you hoping to convey with that uh, book? Well, Ben, thank you for inviting me to be with you today. It's an honor uh, to have a conversation and to chat about What's going on in my book? Uh, you know, this book is, most people would have expected a political book out of me, and there are certainly some political stories in here, some discussions about characters that I've run into and, and different things that people maybe have not heard the behind the scenes on before. But I would say that mainly it's a story of my life lived so far, uh, kind of growing up on a ranch in South Dakota. The life lessons that I learned, you know, I, I grew up in a family that wasn't political at all. Uh, we didn't talk about politics. We lived them. And, you know, a lot of people probably first heard my name during COVID when I was getting attacked so much for the decisions that I was making in South Dakota by refusing to shut down and refusing to put down mandates on my people. 
but I think for them to really understand why I made the decisions that I made and how I did, it's good for them to understand a little bit more about me yes. and, and what gave me my values, my faith and my family and background. And so that's what this book is, is there's a part of this country that's very hungry now for rural America. You know, they've learned that everything isn't all it's cracked up to be in the cities. And in some of these stories of chasing cows and hunting and riding horses, they might find uh, pretty interesting too. Well, uh, I would certainly find them very interesting. Um, your father played a big role in your life, but uh, died tragically uh, when you were only 22 years old and were pregnant. Um, what, what, were the, what were some of the things that you think he would be particularly proud of that you're doing right now? Oh, my goodness. You know, I, I think about this sometimes, too, because I had no plans to go into politics or government. I planned to be a, a rancher and a farmer and work with my dad my whole life. So I don't know what he would think of this. I think he would be proud of my strength and tenacity. Um, but as far as the fact that he was a man who was a cowboy and got up every day and said, we don't complain about things, we fix them. Uh, and and being in a world of politics where so many times I can work all day long and turn around and not necessarily see a, a, a new fence that was built or, you know, a, a field that was planted. Um, that's a little bit more of a challenge to see everything you've accomplished in a day in politics. I think he would recognize that now is an important time in our history and that we have to have uh, people who really care about the country in these roles to really show what makes America special and to defend it for our kids. Well, you know, it's a, it's a little bit of a stretch. Uh, some people might think uh, going from running a, a farm to running a state, but uh, is it really all that different? <laughs> <laughs> well, I would say that, you know, my life took a, a lot of twists and turns that were unexpected. When he was killed, you know, I was still finishing my college degree, so I had to quit college. I was married. I got married at 20 years old. I was pregnant with my first daughter when dad was killed. I was 22 and still finishing classes. And, um, you know, when he was killed, our whole lives got turned upside down. We had a very large operation. Uh, we were farming about 10,000 acres. The day he was killed, he'd rented about another 2,500. We had a cow-calf operation and feedlots, several different businesses. So it was a big operation to take over at a young age. And then we got hit with death taxes, which was hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars that we owed to the federal government in taxes just because we had this tragedy. It almost caused us to lose our business and our family legacy. So that getting us through that situation, those 10 years of paying back those taxes, serving in the legislature after that because I wanted to not complain about things but fix them. I got passionate about tax reform, had the chance to go to Congress and do that with President Trump. I think all of that prepared me to be governor. Um, I was always in a man's world um, you know, fighting uh, and and not necessarily always the one with the most age in years in the room, but always making sure that we were making a difference. So I think that that all prepared me for the job I do today. Yeah, I think that that preparation is probably much more valuable than age, quite frankly. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe. And, uh, you know, being able to identify with the people. Because, uh, mm -hmm. you know, right now, you know, we have a government that doesn't seem to really feel the pain of the people, doesn't really seem to identify with the issues that the people are most concerned about, which is which is why the polls are just continuing to spiral downward. 
And, uh, you know, it doesn't matter whether you're a Democrat or a Republican. It matters whether you're really going to represent the people. And that is such a, a vitally important thing. But I know uh, initially uh, Tom Daschle was encouraging you to run as a Democrat. You resisted that. Why? Well, it was interesting because when I realized the unfairness of our tax policy, I started showing up at meetings. You know, people ask how I got involved in government and politics. It was because I got angry when we got hit with death taxes. And Tom Daschle was our U.S. Senator. He was the U.S. Senate Majority Leader at the time. And I started showing up at his meetings across the state. And eventually uh, he got to know my face and uh, listened to me, uh, you know, in my opinion. And I think, I don't know, I never did have this conversation with him. He maybe saw some potential in me. He invited me to one of his leadership camps. And as a Republican, I thought, why would I not go? He had a leadership weekend where he would invite promising young people that he thought would be good in government and politics and spent time with them and talked to them about policy. I went because I thought, why would I not network with people uh, that are influential? And why would I not find out what these Democrats are doing at these camps? Um, so he, he did give me opportunities. He appointed me to be on a board that oversaw all the federal farm programs in the state. Um, and that was an opportunity to where I recognized, you know, that food policy is a national security issue. Uh, I had known that as a farmer, but I was, my eyes were open to a lot of the details behind the scenes of how people didn't recognize that in this country. And, uh, and you know, he knew that he and I never agreed on, on politics, and, but, uh, but he also had to be bipartisan in a state like South Dakota, and I think I was his attempt to do so. And, and that really is such an important concept, actually, because when you live in a diverse society, the my way or the highway philosophy does nothing but create conflict. And uh, I really encourage people on both sides to, to sit down and talk. Because, you know, what happens to people before they get divorced? They stop talking to each other. Next thing you know, the previous love of their life is the devil incarnate. And, uh, you know, that's what happens when people won't communicate. In the, and we just have to really start encouraging that. And that, that's something that you've been able to do quite successfully. But uh, I'm interested in, you know, the thing that really brought you to national prominence was uh, COVID. And uh, what, why is it that you are so opposed to the concept of mandates? Well, I think it was... Um really just always coming back to what is my job as governor and what is not my job? You know, what authority do I have, but what authority do I, do I not have? Mm -hmm. um, it, you know, I, I remember I was raised by a cowboy. So I, I tell people the story sometimes that when South Dakota passed the law that mandated seatbelt requirements, uh, you know, I remember watching my dad take a jackknife to the seatbelts in his brand new pickup and cut them out. And it wasn't because he didn't wear his seatbelts. He did. He was just mad that the government was going to tell him that he had to. Mm -hmm. um, and we never had a discussion about it. We never talked about it around the dinner table at night. I just, the way that he lived was about, I'll take responsibility for myself and my family. I'll obey the laws, but the government should stay where it should be. 
Uh, and so during that decision-making process, when, when we saw what was happening, this virus was coming across the ocean from overseas, was going to be hitting the United States, the experts were telling me I was going to lose hundreds of thousands of my citizens. If I didn't do something, I looked at really what authority I had as a governor and what authority I didn't and decided that I was going to not overstep that, that, that when I did that, I'd be violating the Constitution. And I took an oath to our state Constitution. I took an oath to the U.S. Mm -hmm. Constitution. And at the end of the day, I had to sleep at night knowing that I had abided by those. So we took the, we were the only state in the country that never once closed a business, uh, never once even defined what an essential business was, because I don't believe that governors have the authority to tell you your business isn't essential. We didn't mandate anything. Mm -hmm. I just told people I was going to let them use personal responsibility and trust them to take care of their families and their businesses and give them flexibility, and we'd get it through it together. And we did. Overwhelmingly, now South Dakota is leading the nation. No question. Uh, your businesses are thriving, and it shows the, re the result of good leadership. Schools stayed open, too, didn't they, for the most part? Mm -hmm. Yeah, schools stayed open. You know, we're leading the country now in educational outcomes. Um, and, and that is something that I'm very proud of, too. We're not only leading in income growth, we're leading number one economy, less than a thousand people in the state on unemployment. Um, we've been able to do conservative things in a state that doesn't always vote conservative. We've even put civics and history into our classrooms, much like your little Patriot program has chosen to do, which has been fantastic. And thank you for the new um, cartoon, uh, oh, yeah. Star Spangled Adventures. I think that's going to be fantastic for our kids. We've got to start teaching our kids what is special about America so they don't uh, let it wash away with some agenda by some extremist group. Well, you know, and there, there's also the, the whole sociological uh, aspect of schooling. And when we keep people out of uh, those contexts, uh, it seems like bad things are starting to happen in our society. Uh, not only that, but, you know, we're teaching people to resent each other uh, mm -hmm. with things like critical race theory, which they say they're not teaching, but of course they are. Uh, yeah. You know, a friend of mine, his granddaughter came home crying. She said, Grandpa, am I evil because I'm white? She must have learned that somewhere in school. Mm, yes, and, absolutely. Uh, you know, that obviously is, is not going to be very useful for our country. And, you know, we see this rash of, of young people with these high-powered weapons going out and killing people. And I wonder if some of that might be secondary to the fact that they're not being appropriately socialized. And mm -hmm. we're teaching them, you know, to hate other people, to resent other people, rather than to respect other people and respect other people's opinions. And, you know, we, we used to teach f f biblical principles and love your neighbor. Uh, now they're being taught, cancel your neighbor, uh, go to a safe space if somebody is saying something you don't like. I mean, just ridiculous things are happening. And it's really amazing to me that we don't have more of these incidents, to tell you the truth. Well, you know, Ben, years ago I had a pastor say something uh, in a sermon. He said, listen, people are going to throw out offenses at you all the time. Uh, you'll be talking to them. You'll interact with them. They'll, they'll throw an offense out. But you're the one who decides if you want to bend over, pick it up, and carry it around with you. And if you do, then you're the one that's carrying the burden. And, and he was very clear that we have the opportunity every single day to decide that when someone throws an offense out there, that you can walk right by and make the decision not to pick it up, to not be offended. 
uh, and not have to carry that burden of being. And I think we've, you turn on the news, you, you listen to every reporter, every journalist, use fear to control people and teaching each other to hate people and, and that you disagree with and, and to offend each other. And I'm just encourage people in almost every speech I give to let those offenses lie, start having conversations again, that we're a country that feels like nobody's hearing us. And so we should walk up to somebody in our life that we've written off politically and thought they're too far gone, they'll never convince them and start a conversation again and start by listening listen to them so they feel heard, and then have a conversation and not be offended with them. Well, I'm so glad to see, uh, you know, relatively young people in the political sphere like yourself uh, getting national attention because, you know, we really need to start thinking about younger people. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't have anything against old people, but come on, you know, the Speaker of the House is 82, 83 years old. So. Well, I appreciate you calling me young. Now you're going to be my favorite, Ben. <laughs> if you're calling me young. I'm a grandma now. So, um, but, but the, um, you know, it is interesting. You look at the Democrat Party and um, it's amazing the age, you know, they sell themselves as progressives and reflecting the country and their leadership certainly doesn't. And it's not just their age, it's their, their viewpoints, their policies, they wrap their arms around is just so extreme. It doesn't resonate with the everyday families out here that are struggling to pay their bills right now. And it would be nice to have some people making policies who are still going to be around 20 years from now to see what the right. results are. As yeah. opposed to, you know, some of the things that we're doing now, you know, raising the national debt to astronomical levels, and then you go and die and leave that to somebody else. That's just not fair. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, that's it. We're leaving this for our, our grandchildren and and that's what's incredible to me is we've been talking about this for a while and Republicans haven't always been disciplined about it. But we, you know, another country that controls our debt and controls uh, it, uh, which largely in large part has been China buying up our treasury bonds, they will control our future. I tell people consistently, not only is China out there investing in their military, they're stealing our IP, manipulating their currency. Now they're buying up, buying up our food supply chains and buying... Uh, you know, uh, also land in the United States. They're not dummies. They're mm -hmm. trying to control us, and they'll do it by also buying up our debt. Absolutely. Well, we're going to have to take a quick uh, break, but we're going to be right back with Governor Christy Nam. We're going to find out a little bit about her thoughts on abortion and energy. We'll be right back. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
are back with Governor Kristi Noem of South Dakota, uh, who has demonstrated that you don't have to be old and decrepit to be a good leader. <laughs> and we like in that. Um, Christy, um, you obviously uh, are pro-life. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, a lot of people want to attack you for that, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, what is wrong with being pro-life and how did you become pro-life? Well, I think it was, it's based off of my faith. Um, you know, I was taught um, by attending church every time the doors was open and, and on scripture that every life is precious. Uh, and we lived that at home. Uh, when I got into the political world, it's making sure that my faith and values were something I talked about during my campaigns and that people knew if they voted for and supported me that that's the type of stand I would always take. So um, I was very grateful to see the Supreme Court uh, fix a wrong decision that happened almost 50 years ago and return the decision of abortion back to the states. That's appropriate that it be made there. And in South Dakota, we had a trigger law in place that said if if Roe was overturned, that abortions would be illegal in our state and that except for to save the life of a mother. So I'm thankful for the legacy that that South Dakota has today. It's very different than for instance, what the governor of New York has said she wants to be known for. She wants her state to become a destination, a haven for people who want to have abortions. That's just not our story here. So I think that in South Dakota, we recognize the science and advancement and knowledge we have of babies in the womb and that they do need to be protected. Even doctors look at these individuals, you know better than anybody else, that when they're in the womb doing procedures on these babies, they're patients and they're granted patients' rights. And how can you have an intelligent conversation on this issue, call them patients and grant them rights and not say that it's also a human life? Um, you know, that's, that's the conversation we need to realize is important uh, rather than just allowing the extremists to scare people. I think a lot of people are going to be looking uh, to you for some leadership on this issue because since it's going to be going back to the state, it's really going to be the governors who are going to play a very, very big role in how we look at this, um, how we manage to integrate into what we're doing, the uh, opinions of the people. And uh, that was the really tremendous thing about this, because all major life and death type decisions should be made by the people and their representatives, mm-hmm. not by unelected judges. And uh, Yeah, and, and now these decisions will be made close to home by elected officials that are accountable to the people. I think our job as pro-life leaders is to really educate the public now. You know, I... We've had ballot initiatives to completely ban abortion in the state of South Dakota that have failed in the past. That means that that a lot of the public out here needs to have the facts around the issue and to understand that uh, when they talk about abortion, that doesn't necessarily trickle into contraception or IVF or surrogacy or all those other issues that they use to muddy the waters, that that this really is an issue that that deserves full debate and information and facts in order to make the right decision. You know, just uh, turning a little bit, because we could talk about this for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, your state is uh, an energy producer. No question about that. A lot of natural resources there. Um, do you think there is a space where we can have some peace between those who advocate for fossil fuels and those who advocate for green energy? You know, I would hope so. Um, you know, South Dakota has a very diverse energy supply. We don't have a lot of um, 
oil and gas in the state of South Dakota. North Dakota got the vast majority of it. We do have some rigs up on the northern border, but I tell people consistently that you know North Dakota got the oil, South Dakota got Mount Rushmore. And um, and we're happy about that. We we love being the home to that impressive monument. But we also 30%, I believe, of our electricity is generated by our dams on the Missouri River. Uh, we have a lot of wind energy in the state. Uh, we have ethanol is produced out of our corn crops. We we have uh, you know other different entities that are adding some diversity. We use obviously coal to generate a lot of our electricity here as well. And South Dakota demands a lot of energy. I tell people it's hot in the summer, it's cold in the winter. It's a long ways to drive anywhere. And that means that we're reliant on a stable, affordable energy supply. And that's what is so challenging about the Biden administration is they've um, crippled those um, that foundation of our energy supply. And now, as we see from yesterday, that they've been even selling oil out of our strategic reserves uh, to our enemies overseas. It's amazing what they've done where President Trump did the exact opposite. Um, he emboldened America first and our energy supply. We were independent. Uh, a completely different story just a few short years ago, and that's what's so shocking about the agenda of this administration. It, it shows where a little humility could make a big difference. Yeah. If you could just admit we were wrong about shutting all of these things down, and uh, we're going to reopen it. We're going to use it. We're still going to be focusing on green energy and renewable energy, but we're going to use well, what we have to get what we want. Well, look at the Keystone Pipeline discussion, because the Keystone Pipeline was going through South Dakota, um, and, and it was already laid out. The equipment was there. They were ready just to put it in the ground and hook it up this year, and it was just abandoned on day one of, of Joe Biden's presidency. What's interesting, though, if you talk about the facts around that pipeline, is it would have been safer for people to move these this oil through the pipeline than it is than how it is today. Today, it's moved by rail or truck, which are much more accident prone, much more dangerous. It would have been safer for our environment. A lot of these trains and trucks at different times will have spills. They're not reliable. They end up using a lot of energy to transport it. The pipeline would have saved energy costs as well, and it also would have made it much more efficient. So not only was it better for people and for communities and safer for the environment, it was also going to make it more affordable. There was every reason in the book to build this pipeline, even ones uh, people that supported renewable energy sources and being efficient Yet this Biden to be political, this this president to be political, shut it down just to promote his agenda. Absolutely. Well, uh, just a, a quick uh, clarification for you on on your opinion about transgender playing in women's sport. What what is your feeling on that? Well, we've passed the strongest bill in the country to protect girls' sports. You know, and people. People forget this, but um, I've been fighting this battle for years. Back when I was in Congress, the federal government came forward and said that the sport of rodeo could no longer have men's events and women's events in the state of South Dakota, that we had to go gender neutral and no longer allow just even their boys and girls to be listed or to have different events for them. I fought alone. Uh, there was no other members of Congress that wanted to touch this issue because they thought it was too political. My delegation wouldn't help me, but I ended up winning. And we protected the state of rodeo and allowed them to continue to have girls' events and boys' events going forward. Uh, when I became governor, the conversation obviously came up again. 
And, uh, and we had a flawed bill that came forward that did not define performance-enhancing drugs, which would have put this bill in court, which would have kept me from being able to enforce the bill and to protect girls' sports while it was there. So I did executive orders to make sure that only girls could play in girls' sports and keep fairness in South Dakota until we could pass the bill we did this year. Now I'm incredibly proud the bill that is signed into statute uh, is one that we can defend in court, we can win on, and that will continue to set an example for the rest of the states to follow should they choose to make sure that fairness is op is an opportunity that all women will have the chance to compete with. Well, thank you for your courage uh, in, in doing that. I remember as HUD secretary, you know, mm -hmm. the transgenders wanted to come into the women's shelters. and Yeah, that's uh, right. They attacked me severely. But the fact of the matter is you can't compromise the rights of one group mm -hmm. uh, for the sake of another group. What you need to do is look for solutions that work for everybody. That's right. And that's what good government actually does. And we'll be back in just a minute for some closing comments with uh, Governor Christy now. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And we're back with Governor Christy Nome of South Dakota. Uh, as a rising voice on the national scene, I think our listeners would be very interested, Governor, and what do you think should be going on right now at the level of the government to really get our country back in good shape again? Well, the president needs to start focusing on our priorities. Number one, it's, it's what is crippling our economy and our people at home. It's energy prices and grocery prices. So ensure that we have the policies and the regulations cut and out of the way that are crippling it today. Much of it he's imposed, so it shouldn't be hard for him just to undo everything that he's done since he's been president. Uh, start relying on American sources of energy, open up our federal lands again, continue to build pipelines that will make sure we can get to refineries quicker and more efficiently. Make sure that we are continuing to focus and work with our partners here so that we're not importing fuel and oil from other countries and our enemies. And then start focusing on really building up our supply chains and getting our groceries and needs to the people that need it. By doing all of those things, it will send a clear message to our enemies too. It'll show our enemies that we once again are pursuing America First policies, that we're going to build our economy, our people will be strong, we'll be united. And then it'll be peace through strength on a world stage. Uh, there's several of these conversations going on 
where we need a president who loves America, who speaks out and defends America. And our threats are coming from North Korea, from Russia, um, from, you know, obviously China. And we're going to have to continue to send a strong message that we don't need them. They need to not be at war with us. And we're going to continue to focus on making America strong and put our people first, rather than what we've seen out of this administration. And when you look at the external threats, you think about some place like Iran, mm -hmm. who sees us as a great Satan that needs to be destroyed. Why wouldn't they send some of their operatives through our poorest southern uh, border, target our electric grid, and create havoc? The grace of God is saving us right now. <laughs> it's not yeah, absolutely. Not well, and and even just what's happening there at the southern border is this president's violating federal law and breaking our own federal laws to to allow people to come into this country illegally. So just enforcing law and order in this country would be an incredible change. It sends a clear message that that it is a special thing to come to this country and that if people want to come to this country, they have to follow the law to do it. We are a welcoming country. We just recognize that that we want people here who love us, that don't want to destroy us. And just even a small state like South Dakota, we get millions and millions of attacks over our, our security systems, our, our cyber um, networks that we have throughout the state. We spend all day fighting off foreign governments and, and entities and people who want to harm us, just trying to protect our people here in the state. I can't imagine what it's like at the federal level or a lot of our utility companies and those that we rely on every day to really help people live. Absolutely. Well, we are so thrilled to have had you today uh, as our guest. And uh, you're such an inspirational figure uh, to girls and boys, to everybody. You're just an all-American patriot. And uh, well, I know it's a sacrifice sometimes to do the things that you do. But boy, does it make life better for the people in South Dakota and uh, perhaps uh, even the people of the entire United States. So thank you for doing that. Well, thank you, Ben. Thank you for all you do to continue to teach true history and civics to our kids. And your Little Patriots program is phenomenal. And also, you know, I hope people appreciate the book. Um, you know, it's available now anywhere that books are sold. But I think it is a, really a story of South Dakota and the hope that we can bring to this country right now where conservatives and people of faith lead, the people thrive. And that really is what we need to have happen in every single state in the United States of America. All right, well, Governor Christy Nam, thank you so much. And uh, we'll be right back with my closing remark. Welcome to Fail Better. David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low and high-profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. Each week, he'll chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? 
Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Well, we're back with some closing thoughts. We're at a critical time in our nation right now. And, you know, I'm so thankful that we have leaders like Governor Kristi Noem who have exemplified courage and uh, is a fan of informed decision-making which means making sure that people have the right information, disseminating the right information to the people. You know, that's been a bit of a problem in our country lately. Uh, We frequently have those who are supposed to disseminate unbiased information, disseminating it in a very biased way, ideologically driven, uh, not compelled by the truth but compelled by ideology. And that means each of us has to be very careful and diligent in terms of seeking out the correct information. Uh, Use more than one information source and uh, not necessarily all information sources from the same political perspective. And I think uh, that will go a long way uh, toward helping you to be a responsible citizen. Personal responsibility is so vitally important. And that comes to our prescription for the week. I want you to examine your life and uh, see if there is something in your life that you want to change. And then make it happen. You make it happen yourself. Don't look for someone else to do it for you. But think about what went into creating that problem, and that will give you a very good start on what to do in order to alleviate the problem. And uh, once you realize that you have, you're the one who has control of your life, it makes such a big difference just taking that personal responsibility. I remember one of my colleagues uh, at Hopkins was a smoker, and he just loved smoking cigarettes. And I remember one of the administrators came down one day and said, you know, we have a hospital-wide policy of no smoking. And he just lit up a cigarette and blew smoke in his face. (laughs) I mean, that's the kind of person he was. But then he became convinced that it was not a good thing to do, and he stopped. Cold turkey, never had another cigarette. He took personal responsibility. He made it happen in his life, and we can each do that too. Thank you for joining Governor Christy Noem and myself today and for listening, and please subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, 
Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so that you never miss an episode. Make sure you tell your family and friends and everybody you know uh, to join us. And uh, let us keep disseminating common sense. And remember the cornerstone principles, faith, liberty, community, and life. See you next week.